I am the son of a motorcycle racer, but I don't see that as the main reason I started racing. My dad's influence obviously rubbed off on me in some ways. I'd see the bikes in the shed every day, I'd sit with dad as he worked on them, and then I'd be aware of him going away to race them. Still, I think I was too young to be really infected by it all when he was racing. The almost constant contact with bikes, my dad's, my and Sally's little TY-80, and the Kawasaki motocrosser I'd own later, all made me want a road bike as soon as I was 16, and legal to ride on the road, but I hadn't made the mental leap to believing I'd ever race motorcycles. It just wasn't on my radar. I went to some races with my dad when I was young, but not many. We went to the Isle of Man TT a few times, including the last year he raced there in 1988, but all I remember about that is losing the rag I used to carry round and suck on. I still had it at seven years old. I don't know why. I lost it on one of the horse-drawn trams that run up and down Douglas Seafront. I don't remember any of the bikes or anything of the racing, just losing this bit of comfort blanket. It wouldn't be the last time I lost my rag on the Isle of Man during TT fortnight. My dad smashed himself up later in 1988 and didn't race again. The accident happened at Oliver's Mount, Scarborough. He crashed his Yamaha at the top bend of Scarborough, coming past the memorial, a very tight left-hander. Now, I have a lot of experience with that track, and I don't see it as a specially tricky or fast corner compared to some at Scarborough but you don't think you're going fast until you're sliding along on your arse. The thing about the corner is, if you get it wrong, you go straight into the trees, and that's what he must have done. I was seven at the time, and I remember being in the back of the ambulance with him, Mum and Sally. For some young kids, it might have been upsetting to see their dad laid out in an ambulance, but everything was so calm and matter-of-fact that it wasn't shocking in any way. He had badly smashed his hip. I asked him if he was all right, and he replied, Oh yeah, no bother. He gave me his trademark big thumbs up. I realise now he was putting on a brave face for his family. He must have been in serious pain, but he is a double-hard bastard. Mum wasn't flipping a lid or anything, just thinking about how she was going to cope with work, four small kids, and a husband on crutches for a few weeks. She never gets excited, she just gets on with it. When I saw Dad in hospital, later that week, surgeons had plated up his femur with screws and brackets. The injury caused him agony for four years, till they gave him a false hip, a prototype stainless steel thing. I think he was one of the first in the country to have a replacement like this, and he said it was better than the original. The bike he crashed was a Yamaha FZR750RR. Quite a rare machine, and he was offered a good deal when he bought it. This, Dad's last race bike, was Yamaha's version of the superbike of its day. Four-cylinder, 100 horsepower, if that, aluminium frame, full fairing, and trick flat-side carbs. Good for 150 mph. It was a homologation special, built by Yamaha and sold looking like a road bike with lights but made almost exclusively for racers to buy and convert into a track bike. This was the start of the era when production bikes, proddy bikes, took over British racing. Proddy bikes have long been part of the racing landscape, but until the 1980s, the most important bikes were pure race machinery. 
designed and built to race, not bikes that were based on converted and tuned road bikes. Machines like Yamaha TZ750s and TZ250s.